Hello, salam, welcome. It's Imran here. Your favourite divorced Muslim dad. That's that's right. That's me, isn't it? I mean, I'm guessing you probably don't listen to another episode of a divorced Muslim dad. I could be wrong. I mean, everybody's got a podcast these days, haven't they? Uh, okay, again, I'm going to begin with an apology. Although the aim is to stop apologising and actually just do what I say I'm going to do. And that's upload every couple of weeks. Thank you to everybody who's listening. You're being very patient with me. Um, I'm. I guess what I'm doing is I'm trying to find my voice here, and um, I kind of think I've done that. But I need to be in the right frame of mind to deliver particular episodes, especially those that are stories from my my life, my personal stories. And that's proving to be a little bit difficult. There's just so much going on. Um, both in my private life and in my professional life, that even if I have the physical time, finding the mental time to do do this is quite difficult. Having said that, there are a couple of critical issues that I know you want me to, to cover, and I haven't done so yet. So I will be doing those, and then I'll bring season one to an end. Um, carry on with the insights uh, series with Elias. And um, and yeah, just uh, maybe take a slight break and look to see how the rest of it can pan out so that I can deliver on a regular basis without missing. Um, and I hope that's OK with you. Right. On to today's episode, which is a discussion with Elias, as it is the Insight series. It's the fourth episode in Insights. And um, this one's a super interesting one, actually, with. We're talking about the lost art of negotiation and compromise in a relationship, um, which, thinking about it from from a personal perspective, really is crucial in being able to navigate um, not the major issues really, but a lot of the minor issues that crop up in in daily life, and which, if are left untended. Um, can lead to some kind of major fractions, which is kind of what, what happened with us. You know, a lot of the time the minor disagreements that take place are rooted in some 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 deeper, more significant problems uh, that people have in their relationships. And so we we discuss that, we unpack it, we bring a couple of examples from our own experiences and those that we've heard about. And um, as usual, Elias is a font of knowledge, full of wisdom, insight. He's a bit of a laugh as well. And uh, yeah, I hope you hope you gain a lot from it. Enjoy. One of my earliest memories of being married is standing outside a baby shop with my heavily pregnant wife um, in Manchester. I don't think the shop exists anymore. Uh, but we were going out to buy a pram. And obviously anybody who's had their first child knows it's a really exciting time. It is an exciting thing, of course it, it is, yeah. It is. And after your fifth child, you're not, <laughs> you're not bothered. You say, any old pram will do. But first child pram is... Well, well the, fifth, the fifth child is like, you know, hand me down, no problem. But yeah. for the first child, everything has to be new. Absolutely. Right, you know, not even discount at the store it has to be, you know, everything is indicative of how you see that first child. Yeah. So, 
we both went in there and we were talking about getting this pram and what this pram is going to be like. And so at that moment in time, it's, it's a joint project. We're okay. going in there and we think we're on the same page. As yeah. soon as we enter into the shop, she goes off and looks at one type of pram and I go and look at another type of well, pram. What was the criterion that you used? Uh, for me, I, I wanted something which ticked all of the boxes. So I wanted something quality. Um, I was kind of brand conscious, so mums and papas probably. Uh, Rear-facing, front-facing, detachable car seat, right? Um, if collapsible, that will fit in the small boot of the car. Okay. Um, and hers was really um, just something which looked really quite nice. Yeah. That was it for her. She was quite quite straightforward in that way, and I was being complicated about it. And when we actually came to deciding, but then some uncle come up to you and say, "Iman, hey, you can have my one." <laughs> And some, some auntie, do you say, you know, take this one, take yeah. this one? Yeah, no, they, they didn't because uh, firstly, we didn't know anybody. And secondly, okay. as, I, as I said, that first pram, yeah. right, that was, Absolutely. that has to be new. It's and, not about a pram. It's something else that's going on. Yeah, and that's the point. That's the point. So we went through this and I, I remember thinking, okay, I like this one. And then she says, well, I like this one. And then we ha it started to get slightly passive aggressive between us. And then it got to the stage where we were no longer listening to each other, right? And then it was a case of getting upset and just let's scrap the whole thing. So we started off like really looking forward to this and we ended up in a situation where I felt that I'd won, right? right. And that was the point. I'd won and I and I controlled my wife, right? She wanted something yeah. that I didn't want and therefore I stopped her getting it, right? And I'm the one who held the purse strings, so therefore, I, I had won and oh, she oh, had Imran, lost. Imran, so she lost. It was a win-lose. So she lost. How did it make you feel the fact that you actually made her lose? I want you to get into the mindset here. Uh -huh. I want you to really internalize it. Look at it well from her point of view. She feels profoundly you know, upset by something which is so, so special that actually should be a bonding experience between the two of you. Uh -huh. You made her lose. Yep. You actually engineered it yep. to make her lose. How yep. did you feel about it at the time? At the time, at the time um, I felt angry and upset. Right, but it was a price worth paying in order to maintain my status as the man. Okay. As the man, as I saw him in the relationship, mm. and so if I, if then I look back at it, I think, yeah, I lost. You know, I lost, and she lost, and it didn't need to be that way because it wasn't such a big deal. Okay. Right. But I treated it. It's a brilliant way. example. It really is a brilliant example. Uh, I think of where couples all the time. I've become programmed into a win-lose situation. I think this is all about the social programming of our societies. And I think there's also a cultural reality to it as well. And I think in South Asian cultures and a lot of Muslim cultures where actually Islam should teach us what? Win-win. Islam teaches us to get benefit for everyone. Islam teaches us that Awadu al-Birr wa taqwa cooperate with each other on goodness and righteousness, not on sin and transgression. Islam, it teaches us wa yu'thiruna ala anfusa it teaches us to love for others what we love for ourselves. It teaches us to prefer other needs over ourselves. So if anything, the whole Islamic ethos is about what? Giving more than receiving, always working towards win-win, creating a desirable outcome for all stakeholders, all people who are involved. And look, we go back to a core principle, the purpose of marriage, Sakina, peace, that's achieved through what? Win-win. Well, why is it the case then at that moment in time, I considered myself a fully practicing and committed Muslim. Yeah. Right. And that I, I, I'd heard all of these things before, 
But, but uh, Hanchi, I don't think people are talk, thought, think No, I, I tell you what it is. I had heard all of these things. I'd heard many things, okay. right? But it's a little bit like saying to somebody who has a domestic violence problem, well, why didn't you stop being violent, right? They just can't stop because they don't know how to. And so I intellectually, and I think, the, I mean, I, I don't know, but I think a lot of us intellectually understand many principles within the faith, but actually implementing them and okay. acting them out no, no, is difficult. No, absolutely. Action, you know, you're right. Uh, acting on, on the knowledge that we have and the principles that we all purport to is, is there's always a disjuncture. The reason I believe in, on, in this issue that think win-win, which is Stephen Covey, one of the seven habits, and I, and I, and this I, is a book, right? Yeah, this is, you know, probably I believe after having reviewed nearly 200 personal development programs and frameworks, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is absolutely a brilliant framework. And actually, interestingly, completely is within the Islamic model as well. One of the principles he talks about, obviously, is think, win, win. And then that goes up to another one, which is synergy. You see, there is an interconnection between think, win, win, and synergy and before think win-win first seek to understand then you will be understood so the, the the reason why we know we should create a win-win situation but we don't is because first we don't have the mindset of abundance an abundance mindset is this that there is an there is an abundant amount of good that everyone can achieve that there is you know there isn't a limited amount of good in the world that I must covet so therefore, if I'm not getting what I want, the other person, if the, you know, then the other person shouldn't get it either. No, there is enough to go around. There are enough slices of the cake that even if there isn't, then I'll half my cake because I'm happy for you to have the other side of the cake. It's called an abundance mindset. It's that hadith, the Prophet, food for one is enough for two. It's to be giving more than receiving. All of this abundant mindset is at the core of think, win, win. So Imran, if I go back to your scenario of the pram, you went in with your paradigm, she goes in with her paradigm, you see it as there isn't a world where we can actually reconcile these two paradigms. She can get what she wants, I can get what I want. So you only see it as that I see the world only from my point of view, and that if I don't have this, the world is not abundant enough to actually satisfy her needs as well. Next thing is that you've actually, this is also down to the, the precursor to that, first seek to understand, then you will be understood. You don't even understand the person's need. You have not what we call empathetic listening. You haven't built the communication to actually understand what does the person even want. Your perception is not reality. Remember, perception is not reality. So therefore you're saying, oh, she wants X, Y, and Z, and I want A, B, and C, and there is no middle ground at all that we can actually reconcile this to create synergy so that both of our needs are met in this particular situation. It becomes a battleground. And I have to say that, you know, unfortunately, whereas our religion teaches us so much about think or win, we actually create lose-lose. I see it in the everyday decision-making, okay? And I think there's a cultural uh, dynamic to it of the fact that patriarchy in our community related to the concept of that the man has the kawam over the woman is such that, well, I'm the man, it should be done in this way. That doesn't necessarily hold true. I think there's another way we can go that a woman is supreme in her realm and a man is supreme in her realm. That she should let you to do things which are supreme for you because she recognizes, you know what? Imran is brilliant at pram buying and I'm pants at it. 
And she recognised that. She then actually says, well, I'm happy to defer to you in this matter. Okay. And then likewise, you do the same thing. I know that you're brilliant, for example, in choosing educational resources for zero to fours. Brilliant. So I will defer completely towards you. Because what we have now is a real understanding of empathy, synergy, understanding, skills, strengths, weaknesses, and we are happy to create the mix which creates win-win in, in these kind of scenarios. And the win-win will always be the product of a healthy relationship where people are aware of each other's strengths and weaknesses, aware of how they communicate, pick up verbal and non-verbal communication, listen to each other, have a clear plan beforehand. Did you talk about in your situation before you went to the pram, by the prime, your different uh, criterion. Did you talk about it? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? We just literally, what are we going to do today? Let's go and buy a pram, jump okay. in the car. Oh, this is really exciting. I mean, you know, I'm 24. She's 20. Yeah, you know? no, but, and, and, but, and, and, and no, I have zero relationship experience, right? I have no concept of questioning myself or, you know, planning in this way it's kind of it's just what you do it's like you go out and you assume that you're going to be able to it seems like a simple thing it does seem like a simple you thing, know you're going to go out no, and buy a pram but clearly but the lots line, of other the, things the, the, the pram was just the the battleground for a much more mm. uh, uh, a profound problem and it was this basically yeah that first you could see a world only from the point of view that win lose i've got to get my win if i don't i, I i've lost you have the inability to meet somewhere which actually encompasses everybody's needs. Let me give you the best, most amazing example of think win-win. It's not a relationship thing, mm -hmm. but it does actually deal with something which is so amazing. At the age of 25, the Prophet ﷺ was chosen to arbitrate in the matter of the rebuilding of the Kaaba by the Quraysh. And it came to the black stone being placed back. The Quraysh being the tribe. The tribe that ruled Mecca. Right. Okay, Mecca. And he was placing the black stone back into the Kaaba. Yeah. A dispute became, because this was a matter of great status for who had this great privilege to put the black stone back. And people were ready to fight each other on this matter because they couldn't see it. People only saw it as a, as, as a uh, win-lose situation and the lose-lose would mean that the bloodshed would mean everyone who loses yeah so people it. people would literally die over this yes yep. it was gonna it was coming to this uh, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi so happened to be the one who entered into the haram and was chosen to be the arbitrator and they had trust in him why because he built on his credit as Sadiq al-Amin they say oh it is Sadiq al-Amin which, so, mean, which means that he the, was the truthful one truthful one that was his character and trustworthy one right so they knew this right and yeah. actually sorry the, so the this is an interesting thing because all these beautiful principles are here yeah go on yeah that's just the bit of the story that um, you kind of just skated over which was they all before it reached the point where they were going to kill each other um, or start fighting uh, they said right okay let's all agree that the next person who walks into the precinct right, is the one who's going to decide oh, on this matter okay. and they thought that that person was simply you know maybe it would be from their tribe or whatever and they would decide for them uh, but in, in walked the prophet peace be upon him because of his truthful character and nature they were all happy that he was the person who walked through sorry carry on so brilliant thank you uh, and and Imran, what happened is this. The Prophet came up with the ultimate think win-win. So, and it, I use this as an exercise in conflict resolution as well as think win-win. He called for a blanket. Hajar Aswad was placed into the blanket. 
every one of the tribes held a part of the blanket all of them equally lifted the stone up in the blanket he as the arbitrator then placed the stone into the corner of the Kaaba think win win absolutely amazing and wow. resolved mm. conflict resolved stop bloodshed, bloodshed yeah reconciled these people now let us translate that to everyday marital situations where people are making decisions around whether it's micro or micro houses that we buy cars and mostly decisions first are made unilaterally not multilaterally so that's a big problem consultation does not take place where there is a full assessment of what is the situation taking place what's going on and then also take into account the emotional nature of it so for example in your win-win situation with the pram you should take into account that for a first child for a woman and having a pram is such a big thing for her that let me ensure that I uh, am attentive to encompassing her needs as much as possible. What do you think that says about me at that stage, at that point in life that I, this didn't even cross my mind? I, I think all it says is that one, just a lack of communication skills. Wasn't well, it just complete lack of empathy? Empathy for... and, and empathetic listening, of course, is, 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 is what it's about. Just a lack of emotionally understanding the situation. As I said, first seek to understand, then you will be understood listen 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 and then you would have got to a point where actually you know there's a consensus that would have built up and you know what guess what happens in these situations Imran you actually realize the problem isn't that big mm. it's not that much of an issue mm. actually you know it can be done I always do it in a situation where we felt oh yes that can be done oh that can be done and that can be done not a problem mm. the perception is the perceptual barriers already in people's minds because they don't even do the seeking to understand the empathetic listening and the communication and then have a clear idea that still okay I've got to make a bit of a uh, compromise and I have to cooperate that I want cooperation come on that's the essence of what marriage is all, all about as well let me um so going back on to big things that happen you know I'll give you an example what school the child goes to it should be a mutual decision there should be mutuality and reciprocity and there should be cohesion and coordination and communication and connection. All of these things should be there. Two people talk to each other, find out, and they assess the issues. And they said, okay, what is the best thing for uh, us to do for our child working together with the reality that we have? That's think win-win. Also with win-win, you know what happens? What's a powerful thing about win-win? It creates ownership of the decision in all parties and also ownership of the failure that takes place. Guess what happens with win-lose? So you won today, so mm. that you can laugh when you lose, when mm. it all messes up, do you understand? Mm. It just creates another lose-lose later on the line, or a win-lose later on down the line. Competition, it becomes programmed as our paradigm for interaction rather than cooperation. And you know what, you know what the bizarre thing here is with an absence of thing win, Imran, is that we are in competition with the most very people we should be in cooperation with. Your partner. The most important person that you should be in ta'awun with, cooperation with, is the person that you're in competition with. Competition comes down to lots of other baggage that we hold, which, like I said, patriarchy, I'm the man, it's got to be my way. It's not the way of the Prophet ﷺ. He would ask his wives, what do you think? You know, it's, I have to interrupt here because I'm thinking of something. I'm thinking, you know, people who don't grow up with a healthy 
uh, understanding of the opposite sex, which is primarily down to the family within which they grew up in and the relationship for men with their mothers, you know, and the example that their fathers gave them. Right? Yeah, yeah, parenting and, and so primary socialization. Right. So you've got that. And then you've got people who are being brought up with different kind of flavors of Islam, right? Okay. Some of which, right, um, can be misogynistic. Okay. And can teach, if you haven't been taught emotionally, then you're teaching yourself intellectually, right? So you found, you know, a lot of us found our faith, you know, you could argue that's identity, faith, whatever, there may be separate episode. But then you pick up these principles from the literature that you read and the people who teach you, and it teaches you that uh, men are in charge. Okay. And women are not to be trusted. Okay. You know, and that that's not that's not emotional. That's just what you have in your head, and that's been drilled into your head. That ultimately, yeah, you know, women should be. Actually, you know what? Let's just really call it for what it is. Men are in charge, and women are fitna. Oof. Can we, can we just explain no, no, I, fitna? Yeah, the term fitna means they are a trial, they are... They are a, a test. A test, they are themselves, uh, you know, even more negative kind of connotations, yeah. That temptation. They, they, temptation, they are to be managed, they are to be controlled, they are a danger. Not unto, to be ultimately they trusted. They are a danger unto themselves. Now, uh, this is a separate podcast, we'll yep. do, but, you know, I, I, I take every description in the Qur'an of the woman, from Anisa. Ummati, Khalati, you know, uh, what is it, you know, sister, and it goes, Mu'minina, Mu'minatu, Qanitatu, the Khashiati, you know, lots of beautiful descriptions that we have of the woman in the Quran. Allah Ta'ala talks about Imrata Fir'aun, you know, she's with the likeness of a believer, Imrata Fir'aun, the wife of Fir'aun. Beautiful descriptions and amazing stories of amazing women in the Quran. You ask an average Muslim guy, but she's fitna. <laughs> but she's a fitna. And that's it. And the term it's such a damning statement. No, but, but Allah Ta'ala also refers to, as we know, your family is a fitna, your children is a fitna, the dunya is a fitna. All these are tough trials. The term fitna is from the Arabic word fatan, which means purification of gold. So when you melt, smelt the gold, it removes impurities and you have pure gold coming out of it. So what it means, it means it as a trial actually for you. Not she's a trial in herself. It's a trial for you, so to, to purify your bad characteristics. That's what it, uh, you know, you could say an understanding of the term fitna is. Now the point here is it just deconstructs the woman as some uh, as as, a, uh, as an entity that's incapable of managing herself, that she needs to be managed. Which then, if you have that mindset, then this completely puts it on you to be the one who controls all decision making. And needs to win. Yeah, and it, because you're being t told that it has to be my way or the highway. And it has to be this. Now, again, this is a profound misunderstanding of Gawam. The Prophet is the embodiment of masculinity, of, of what it means to be a Muslim married man. And how did he deal with his wives? With knowledge. So again, you could say that understanding. With mercy and compassion, empathy, and justice and fairness. That's the... And when you have this knowledge of facts, Empathy and compassion, justice and fairness, guess what? Think win-win. It creates a think win-win situation. It creates an abundant mindset. And it creates a mindset where you know what? There's plenty for everyone to go around 
and I'm happy and also a selfless mindset I'm happy that someone is happy happy you understand I'm happy for them and I'm glad things are, are going their way and you know what you also realize you know what everyone can get everything that they need so guess what let's go to the prime scenario again you can find that prime which satisfies her and satisfies you and satisfies everybody's needs and everyone's happy and you move forward as it building a connection between two people improve communication trust and respect building blocks of the relationship here that, that will go on to bigger decision making that will take place than, than, than buying a pram you know you constantly hear about um not constantly but you regularly hear just in general not just muslims that uh women for whatever reason like a man to lead okay right um how should you how should you interpret that what is what is leading and what is dictating okay look there is a difference between what I call being authoritarian and authoritative. Hmm. By the way, I've just just just, no, just, no, for no. The, just for the record, I'm I'm not saying that this is the nature of men and women. I don't really know. You know, maybe social programming over many many years. I don't know, but I hear that a lot. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, yeah and, and and the best way I can kind of qualify it and and add some kind of uh, explanation to it is that you're right. There's two paradigms around leadership. In this regard, there is authoritarian and authoritative. Authoritarian, uh, authoritarian leadership, autocratic, my way or the highway, one way of doing things. It's, it's, it's directive, it's coercive, I use force, I don't entertain anything which is different. I have a very, very fixed idea of how things should be and I am the authority that cannot be defined. That can work in certain situations, but I've got to say, in relationship terms, it doesn't. And it's not the prophetic way. Authoritative is that my authority is accepted naturally. I created an acceptance of me as a leader through my qualities, my characteristics, my behavior, my conduct. That earns me authority. That makes me authoritative, you know, and it's summed up by a verse in the Quran. Remind people so they are reminded, but do not be a dictator over them. Don't be a tyrant over them. Don't be someone who forces over them. It will never be embedded in their heart. Authoritative is what a I think in, in a patriarchal sense that you have to aim towards. And authoritative is that you earn your stripes. You earn your respect. You earn your deference. You earn this. There is someone who is, is willing to do this. And it comes back to another way that people look at leadership. They'll say there are two qualities that you'll find in a leader. When you find that this person has, has these, then the, then the followers will follow them to the ends of the earth. First, compassion. A genuine care for the people who, 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 who you are leading. Gotta have compassion. Gotta care. And if you feel the person say, look, this person genuinely cares. No, next, when you have compassion, also with competence, that you're good at your job. If you're good at your job, you're compassionate, people follow you to the ends of the earth. That's authoritative. If, however, I'm not compassionate, people don't care about it, but I'm good at my job, people will follow you, but they won't really kind of like mm. naturally accept the authority. And I could be. Compassionate, oh, he cares about me, but he's crap. 
at what he's doing, not competent. Mm. Yeah. So this is another kind of way we can look at this. So you're kind you of know, basically talking about the difference between demanding and commanding respect. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Commanding and, and don't be dominant, but earn dominion. You know, this is a difference. Somehow we just think that we should be dominant. No, earn the dominion. Create, you know, the fact that people want to live in your dominion rather than have to dominate. And come a lot of men will be listening to this feeling that uh, they would feel emasculated by having to compromise. No, that's the prophetic way. It's the way of the best man who walked on the face of the earth, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He compromised at Sulhu He compromised on, uh, you know, even with the matters of his wives. He was, he listened to them. He took their needs on board and he responded to them. And yes, he was firm and clear, obviously, where he needed to be, but ultimately create consensus. Okay. Uh, and these are qualities, empathy, mercy, justice, deliberation, intellect, understanding, emotional intelligence. I always say, look, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, when the man urinated in the mosque of the Prophet ﷺ, he did not emotionally react to the situation. Can you imagine if that happened today? Of course, people emotionally react, they lynch the person, they do all kinds of things. And the Prophet ﷺ said, let him finish. Mm. Let him finish. Mm. And then he was able to explain things to him. He would read people's face. Mm. That's the level of emotional intelligence. I say four qualities that the Prophet ﷺ had Again, in his conduct, day-to-day -day conduct, which creates think win win. First, the Prophet was always appealing to common sense. He didn't make ideas so abstract, so out of touch with reality, so unrealistic, so difficult to achieve. He made it easy to achieve. Common sense, fitrah, you could say. Yeah. Rather than too intellectually highbrow or abstract or beyond capability. Common sense. Second, Deep understanding of human nature and people's reality. Third, made it practical and not unrealistic. He gave people simple, practical steps. Thirdly, was able to inspire and motivate. That's again, good qualities that earn you, earn you your stripes, earn you respect, earn you, you know, uh, your authority, engender you with leadership and create win-win, win-win, common sense, Understanding human nature, practical steps, and being inspirational. Win-win, man. So the question arises as to how people can... I mean, it, sounds, it really sounds like we're talking about men here, to be honest. No, no, it's, it's, it's in women as well. No, no, of course. Because we're talking about relationships. So equally, women also... If, if people have, look, as I said, an abundant mindset, if you go in with a narrow, rigid, fixed mindset, things can't change, there's a limited amount of good in the world, it's my way or the highway, I feel entitled, okay, that things should be, always be done my way, okay, that's, a theme that, that, that's in as many women as I find as, it, as in men, it's not necessarily masculine this matter, it's in women as well, that they are not tuned towards win-win. If you're brought up entitled, oh, I'm from a really great family, I should be entitled always, that everything should go my way. No, of course not. You have to be able to actually have empathy for your man, understand your man as well, and to build a, build a consensus and build a common understanding. You can't just say it's got to be my way or the highway equally. You can't just create... So in, in those relationships... And so what happens is this. Because we don't, because people are thinking win lose lose lose, fract uh, fault lines in relationships become fractured even more and become wider and wider and wider. Mm. The healing process is win win. 
So in those relationships where you find um, women are the dominating partner. Okay. Um, and I don't use the word meek, but you have men who are... Just, 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 uh, I think there's a difference between what called, I think what you're talking about, easygoing men. Yes. Because, and the Prophet, let's be, uh, Prophet also was easygoing. Yeah. And men who just give in. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> giving in is not, giving in, you know, is not win-win. Because no, you, you, right. You, because what you do is you feel yourself internally unfulfilled, usurped, that I haven't had my needs met, you bear a grudge, you carry it. That's not, because, look, okay, if I give you, I'm, I'm, I, I use this when I do my sessions around Think Win Win, and I use that ready, steady, cook scenario, yeah? Two ready, teams. Ready, steady, cook. Yeah, ready, steady, talk. Ainsley Harrier, you know, <laughs> and so I'm using the scenario. Such a rubbish program. Brilliant program. <laughs> and uh, think win-win. And uh, okay, they both. There's one orange. Two teens need the orange. Right. How? What's? The, how do they solve the problem? Uh, I don't know. Split the orange. Split the orange. So that's one scenario. Just put the orange, orange in half. 50 yeah. 50 Yeah. That doesn't actually solve them. That's not think win-win. Or the other thing is that you just have the orange. That's not think win-win either because I needed the orange. Okay, yeah. and I'm so I'm annoyed. I haven't got the orange. Yeah. How about you just smash the orange so nobody can have it? Yeah, nobody gets it. <laughs> nobody gets the orange. Chuck the orange. Everyone, everyone is devoid. Eat, eat the orange. Devoid. So can you see the point here? Is that you? This is it. These different scenarios, amusing as they are, what they actually show us is that you know these are the generally the ways that people deal with it. Throw the orange away. Let's not even deal with the orange. Yeah. Let's not dealing with the problem. That's just creating another problem in the future. You have the orange. I'm annoyed, but you have it begrudgingly take the orange, yeah? 50-50, that still doesn't solve the orange mm. dilemma. Mm. Empathetic listening. Darling, what do you need the orange for? Well, actually, you know what? I just need the rind. Oh, is that what you need? Because I need the juice. Solved. Win, win. Damn. And all from just asking a simple question. Darling, what do you need the orange for? Rather than immediately... Our baggage now is already starting to play, interplay, face. We don't want to lose face. It's become the battleground has been drawn, the orange. Back. All right, let's, let's, let's try this between you and I. I'll, go be, I'll be the darling. You, you be, you yeah, go on. go on. Go on, go on. I, I, I want the orange. Okay, could you tell me what you need the orange for? Why are you always asking me why I need something? Why can't I just have it? Okay, <laughs> uh, because look, I need it as well. So let's work out what part you need and what part I need. And you Wait, it's an orange, it. isn't it? I no, want no, the orange. No, no, you could have... Uh, okay, what recipe are you? Tell me what recipe you're making. Okay, so um, I'm making... Uh, you know I make cheesecake on a Thursday, right? Oh, okay, brilliant. So you want some juice? No, I don't need the juice. I just need some of the, the skin in order to just put some shavings on top of it. The orange, right. That's fine. You got it. Huh? You got it. Well, that was simple, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Damn, we, we saved the marriage there. <laughs> We've just saved the marriage. <laughs> Okay, right. Yeah. So, so okay, so okay. When uh, the what, what I was trying to get to was, um, this isn't just about men. There are and there, you know there, there, are, there are women in situations and, and you that know, Imran, need so, to so, so by dealing this. with that orange scenario, yeah. Look, what it does is it actually teaches people how to deal with it in the future, and the fact that you know actually you know what it's really easy. Perception is not reality, and you can actually overcome this uh, you know kind of dilemma very easily just by a few questions and not reacting to the situation. Get it, get out of your head competition, put into it cooperation. Darwin, Darwin, Darwin. 
تعاون على البر والتقوى ولا تعاون على الاثم والعدوان cooperating goodness and righteousness not sin and transgression and just put that in put that in the world is too big the world is abundant the world is wonderful I don't need to you know and you know there's plenty to go around what, what is okay what is the biggest barrier to people to be able to behave in this way okay the biggest barrier as I, as I said is our social programming we've become socially programmed to be competitive okay how do you how do you, how do you work against that okay uh, okay so now let's get into a practical situation in the relationship mm-hmm. in yeah. the environment look at your fault lines look at the decisions in which there is going to be uh, com- you know a, a potential impasse conflict and sit down work out work, work out scenarios win-win the, what the win-win scenarios are the most common ones that I deal with are in divorce issues around post-divorce access to children people are prepared to tear each other apart did absolutely annihilate their children's well-being just over win-lose and lose-lose. And I'm telling you, you know, mm-hmm. I say to couples, they'll rather spend thousands of pounds going to court mm-hmm. in long drawn-out proceedings that will go on for years and damage children rather than actually create win-win co-parenting. Okay, so on this point, why isn't it, again, I don't understand why two people who realise they have a lifelong commitment Connection, right. yeah, because of their connection child. because of their children, um, do not see how their antagonistic behavior towards each other is impacting upon the person who never chose this situation in the first place, which is the child. Absolutely, how, that's that's not an emotional argument. That's just intellectually, you should understand that. But am I? And and Imran, this is another good way of analyzing it. When you have a a, a reference point like the child, and the welfare of the child should be paramount. And that both people who have a stake in that child therefore have to come to win-win with the well-being of the child. It should be easy to work out, but it isn't. And the reason it comes from all the stuff that we've been talking about—that's the reason it comes. If I have a, 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 a kind of like final point, obviously to facilitate win-win, you need a good arbitrator and mediator. So this is why in the Quran it states when there is an issues. When there is marital problems, then choose an arbitrator, mutually chosen, a neutral party who will help you to facilitate the win-win situation and accept that decision. So, again, where are these arbitrators that are accessible to mm. us? Mm. Arbitrator is very important, cannot have a confirmation bias, can't come in with their own baggage, can't be actually, infer- you know, is there to... To talk, to listen to both parties, to objectively identify the critical information, and then help them, just as the Prophet ﷺ did in the Makkah dispute, to come up with a resolution which is beneficial for all parties. So we need good mediation here. Thanks for listening to episode four of the Insight series of Divorce Muslim Dad. Now, if you like listening, great, please come back. If you like listening a lot and you think other people should listen to it, I think that's a great idea too. So why don't you share a link of it through WhatsApp or through Messenger or through Facebook or whatever your favorite platform is. Just put a little shout out there and say, listening to this guy, not quite sure why he's sharing such personal information about his life as a married man. But it seems pretty cool. Why not give it a go? Um, I know some of you are doing that already. 
Uh, and when I see it, it's, it's a bit weird, but I'm grateful. I think that's great. We are trying to build a community around the subject here, which allows people to heal, um, to discover, um, to educate themselves uh, in order to live happy, healthier um, lives within their relationships or without. So there you have it. Uh, so the plan is, as I said in the intro, to become more regular with this. That's the plan. Next time I plan to be discussing something which a lot of you have requested and I think it's the right time and that's kids. Having kids as a Muslim living in the UK and how that impacted our marriage. It's the usual heady mix of, uh, of faith, uh, family and love. So <laughs> what what could go wrong? What could go wrong? See you next time.